Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Mike Weller has had a phenomenal career. As Associate Professor of Athletic Training, he has instructed, mentored, and coached hundreds of Cedarville students into careers that span high school, college, and professional sports. And now he is helping lead Cedarville's program to new heights with the start of the Master of Athletic Training degree in June 2022. Listen as Professor Weller shares with Mark Weinstein about how greatness is not defined by career accomplishments. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, host of the program, and I am so thankful to our listeners for your faithfulness to this program. We continue to grow in followers, and if you haven't followed the podcast yet on your favorite podcast provider, I encourage you to do so today. I'm sure you'll like it. Thanks. For today's program, I'm talking with a former Cincinnati Bengal. Mike Weller is a certified athletic trainer, and before he worked at Wilmington College and joined us as a trainer at Cedarville, he was a member of the athletic training staff for the Bengals. In fact, he was the Bengals' first training camp athletic trainer back in 2011. In recent years, Mike has switched from practicing his athletic training skills on athletes to teaching future trainers as associate professor of athletic training at Cedarville University. In his faculty role, Mike has been the leading force in Cedarville's pursuit of a master of athletic training program, and we'll get into that in the podcast. As you can imagine, Mike's experience in athletic training is so valuable to the university, both academically and athletically. And with that said, let me welcome Professor Mike Weller to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you today. Mark, thanks for having me. Uh, I know we're going to have a lot of fun uh, just spending time with you. Uh, You have to have fun, but I'm I'm intrigued because when I reached out to you and you responded, you described your story as being bland. And when we discuss, you know, potential topics for today, but as I read through your profile and, and, and learned more about you, your life actually sounds pretty interesting. And so I want people to get to know um, you and what it's like to be uh, part of a professional football team and everything else that you've, you've done. So let me, let me start there. Um, what events in your life drove you to dedicating your professional career to athletic training? Mark, that is a great question. I'm probably the anomaly. As my wife, Sherry, says, um, I knew what I was going to do from the time I was in high school. Um, I had I had, had the idea of pursuing healthcare, specifically pediatrics, in high school and thought that was the, the direction I would go. And so I spent about a year and a half to two years in a high school explorer program. Uh, and part of my responsibility was at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus. And I worked with a, a diverse set of, of, of pediatric patients. Um, and I did a, a pediatric rotation uh, that dealt specifically with children who have AIDS and other oh. chronic illnesses. And I knew I could not do that. And so for some reason, this sports medicine piece popped up because I love athletics. I love that, that competitive nature. Yeah. I played sports growing up, but wasn't great at anything. How far did you play? I mean, how long did you play? Sports? So I played up into high school. Okay. I played tennis in high school. Um, uh, I played uh, basketball and, and other things in, in middle school. And, but, and I was okay, but I just enjoyed sports. Yeah. And so I knew that that was something that I wanted to be around. And then I, I ran across or came across this athletic training sports medicine profession and knew that was something I was going to pursue. So that leads me to, 
as you were preparing for a career in, in athletic training, mm-hmm. and you had obviously you had expectations that what it was going to be like. So the question is, have you met those expectations in in your career or exceeded them, or, or how would you evaluate that? That that is again, um, it's something that in preparing to to meet with you, something I've had to really think about. The Lord has just blessed me with some unique opportunities. Um, I had always wanted to work in a professional sports setting, specifically the NFL, uh, but I got into that way later than most. I was I was thirty eight years old, my mm. first season in the National Football League, and wow. so obviously different than a player and different than than maybe even coaches in, in the athletic training world. But you know, it, the Lord has far exceeded my expectations professionally. I've had those opportunities to work in the National Football League. I worked minor league baseball. Um, I have worked in in almost every college level setting uh, you could work, and so it, it has far exceeded my expectations. Um, and it's just been a neat story. I, I think of my story as being bland because I live that story, and I think oh, right. it's not anything exceptional. But it has been a, it's been a lot of fun. Well, everyone's story is ex- exceptional because it's mm-hmm. it's a unique story. Sure. Everyone has a different story, and so it's really fun as part of the Cedarville Stories podcast just to be able to. To highlight these stories, I'm I'm so glad you you joined us today. So, um, I know you said before we started recording that you're a fan of the current Cleveland Indians, but I need <laughs> to ask, you know, as a tr- former trainer of the Bengals, are, are you a Bengals fan? <laughs> so this 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 is probably the first time this has ever been revealed publicly. I, I grew up as a Cleveland Browns fan, um, working for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I I did not ever anticipate that. It's it's ironic that it happened that way. I grew up with uh, parents who were Browns fans. I have a, an older sibling, older brother who was a Steelers fan. I have a, my oldest brother is a, a Bengals fan. And so I became more of a Bengals supporter because of, of my job and my, my vocation uh, and those relationships. But I'm still a Browns fan, still an Indians fan, still root for the Cavaliers. And so I guess my heart is still in the Northeast even though I grew up in Columbus, that that's kind of where I am. Oh, that's a cool story. So let's let's dive into the um, Cincinnati Bengal time. Okay, uh, I'm interested in hearing from you. You still have relationships with probably some Bengals organization people, maybe some players. Um, what's one of your f- one or two favorite stories from your time of uh, being an athletic trainer for the Cincinnati Bengals? So I started in 2011, um, and uh, at that time. Our training camp was held in Georgetown, Kentucky. Yep. And so I remember the the reason I was hired on maybe a little backstory is the collective bargaining agreement for that year came up and the players were on strike and there was a, there was a lockout. And so the head athletic trainer for the Bengals had reached out to me in April. I'd actually had him here on campus to speak to our students. And as we were leaving, he, he mentioned, hey, we're, we're probably going to need another staff athletic trainer for camp. Would you want to be that guy? And the... I say all that because this is part of my favorite story. Um, I, I said, Paul, let, let me talk to my wife about it. Let me ask Sherry about this. And so immediately, I'm, I, I live in Wilmington. It's a little bit of a drive. So I called her on the way home and said, honey, the, the Bengals are asking if I'd want to be a staff athletic trainer. And she said, well, did you accept? And I said, no, I wanted to talk to you. And she said, of course we're taking this. This is this oh, was wow. a neat opportunity. So she was on board. And so that that made it much easier to do. And then once you're, once you're in that environment – 
um, I, I think the relationships. So for me, those relationships are the key. Uh, right. And those are the best stories. You laugh about things. You, you, you agonize over injuries. You, you struggle with guys who are, are dealing with hardships because what I remind our students is that that's how they earn a living. That's their vocation. That's their discipline. And so an athlete who has a career-ending injury, um, oftentimes the athletic trainer, the team physician, but specifically the athletic trainer because they're there all the time, has to walk them through that. And so those experiences, when guys get released from the team, when when players go through hard situations, whether it's a, a family loss or whether it's loss of a, of a career, um, athletic trainers really get those opportunities to to invest in those players, and and even after they either are released or after those players move on from the the team or the club, you still have those relationships, and I, and I do value that. Is there a story that comes to mind where actually a player did just you know share his heart or his situation with you as you were taping ankles or whatever you were doing? Yeah, there are. I, I probably won't get into any terribly specific things, but, but I certainly know that, um, uh, those experiences happen and sometimes they do happen. Uh, we, we had a, um, a really, um, I guess, a, a Christ centered nucleus of players in my time there. And so we would during camp, it, it's a 16 hour day. And so those late night treatments and those opportunities to, to interact with players, you know, while you're finishing up for the day, those lead to some really good discussions. And I do vividly remember, this is not something I, I, you and I had talked about, but I vividly remember a couple of players coming in, getting treatment. We're talking about some scriptural things, and, and a, another player who was not a believer came in, and he was kind of poking the, one of these other players who was a believer. And uh, we got into a really good discussion and even some debate about the, the truth of Scripture. And, and I remember the next day... Uh, being on the practice field, and, and I remember looking. We would practice outside the stadium sometimes. I remember looking up at the 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 uh, thermometer on the outside of the stadium. It said 99 degrees, and that player from the the night before came over and said, "Mike, I need some water or some Gatorade, whatever." And and he asked me. He said, "Mike, do you really believe those things in Scripture? Do you believe those things are true?" And I, and I told him, "I do. I think those are really important." But then I also said, you know, you're supposed to be worried about blocking somebody, not not oh, really? whether scripture isn't true. But but we had some great discussions. So you do you get to know those players, um, and I think again, oftentimes people that play fantasy sports or yeah. um, view those those players as maybe even untouchable uh, and, and people they would never encounter. They're just individuals. They're just people. Yeah. And so they have lives, they have marriages, they have children. Yeah. And so if you have that perspective, I think it makes a big difference. Let me ask this. I wasn't going to ask this question, but so you were the athletic trainer for training camp. Did that also include then the season? So my time was split, and, and that's a good distinction we're going to make. My time was split just during training camp, and then during the season, I did the concussion management piece. So I set up in a booth. And that was, that was with the NFL. That was, yeah, so I, every every August, I would get terminated from the Bengals because you, you had to be independent. And so every August, I would be kind of cut loose from the Bengals, and a few days would go by, and then I would pick up a contract with the National Football League. And then I would be the, the eye in the sky or the concussion management consultant, and I would sit up in a booth with another guy. And uh, Mike and I, his name was Mike too, we would sit up there and we would watch um, each play live and then we would have a uh, video monitor beside us and there was a technician who would sit beside us with a uh, an Xbox controller and he would give us every possible camera angle of every play. So if we wanted to see an overhead view, we would just tell him. If we wanted to yeah. see a side view, 
because I think on average there are about 16 cameras at every NFL game. Mm. And so we would ask that person through a headset to see it. And if we saw a head injury, then we would immediately call down to that team. We would call down to the team physician or the head athletic trainer for either team and then have them review. They, they had a, a little booth they could review, and we would show them what we were looking for. And so then we would document that injury from up above. Um, in my time, uh, it was before the timeout feature or function was given to the athletic trainer. So now an athletic trainer can actually call timeout from the booth. Um, we didn't have that in my, mm. my years there, uh, but we would talk directly to that staff. So once training camp was done, I was done with the Bengals. If they needed something specifically during the season, I could go in still and help out. But I was still teaching here at Cedarville. And so part of my Sundays then would be um, to go up or go to the stadium because I was assigned to Cincinnati, go to the stadium and then sit in the booth and, and work those games. From the, from the three years or so experience with the Bengals, what were you able to take away that has helped you in the classroom to teach? Yeah, I, I think, again, you see so many unique injuries. And and in working college football, in working in the NFL, there's such a difference in the speed of the game. I mean, right. going from high school to college is faster. From college to the National Football League, though, is is significantly uh, faster. And so the, the types of injuries, uh, the unique injuries that occur, um, that, that's always helpful in a classroom setting as you teach. Um, and then just the opportunity to share you know, how those injuries were managed, how those situations, those conditions were managed. Because again, at the, the NFL level, you've got team physicians, you've got athletic trainers, you've got neurologists, you've got x-ray in your building. In Cincinnati, we had an MRI unit right there in the stadium, which was rare at the time. So you have all the opportunity to make a, a, a quick diagnosis, an appropriate and accurate diagnosis, and everything you need is right there. And so to be able to share that with our students uh, in, in supporting, but also contrasting. Maybe they're going to be at a high school. Maybe they're going to be at a small college where they don't have those things and just reaffirming that what they've learned through using their hands, their evaluation skills, their their medical skills, that they can be really successful. So that, that's helpful. Yeah. So as you think about your connections with the Bengals, your experiences with the Bengals, are you able to translate that into connecting any of your students with whether the, it's the Bengals or another NFL team or a pro baseball team to help them get into as an intern or whatever mm-hmm. with uh, a professional team. So we have been very blessed in those relationships, not just my own relationship, but some of our faculty and staff have relationships with others. So we've placed students obviously every year with the Bengals. We have an agreement with the Bengals, but then we've also utilized the Cleveland Browns, um, we used um, the Columbus Crew for Major League Soccer. Yeah. Um, we are trying to establish more and more of those relationships. We've used um, uh, other franchises. We've had students who go to um, other states in the summertime and maybe do an internship with a, a minor league baseball team, or they have the opportunity to work in the MLS. And so it is It is neat to see those those networks um, especially when you have students that have been really successful. We have a student who graduated from Cedarville. He was one of our Bengals interns, uh, ended up working for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. And so spent two years with the Bucs, um, and now he's at a, he's a head football athletic trainer at Division One school. But then those students reach back out to us and say, Mike, we'll yeah. take some of your students now at the college level. Maybe they want to do an internship, maybe with the MAT 
we use those as, as clinical rotations. So it's neat to see your grads go out, make an impact, and then reach back to the program and say, look, we want to bring your kids, you know, kids from our school. They want to bring their own alumni and their own right. uh, network to, to, to fruition. So that's helpful. Does it primarily only work with professional teams or are you able to get some students into some Division One sports? Yeah. So again, some of our kids have that desire to be in the Division One level. Yeah. And so we have some students, I actually had one the other day reach out. He's at a at an East Coast Division One school and said, if you'll talk to our uh, head athletic trainer, we want to take some of your MAT kids uh, to work yeah. football at our place. And so, yeah, we, we have some, again, unique opportunities to place students at professional sports, but then also at the Division One level as well. I think what what you're saying, what at the heart of what you're able to do, it all it all boils down to relationships, right? Absolutely. And um, how are you able to develop strong, positive relationships with people you want to connect with? Well, I think as as Christians, man, we are just called to love people, and right. and as we love the Lord, but also then love our neighbors, and, and our neighbors aren't don't just have to be the people we live with and work with and and spend time with on the weekends. My colleagues in in the athletic training community, those are my neighbors. Those. Those are people that I want to invest in. And, and sometimes I think when we talk about networking, we talk about this superficial, hey, this just helps me get where I want to be. Right. But, but I think for me, networking has been, I really care about my colleagues, whether it's someone with the Baltimore Ravens or someone with the Bengals or someone with, with a, a Division I school. I genuinely care about them, and, and I hope they know that as we talk, as, as we share stories about our families, as we talk about um, – you know, the struggles that we have professionally, personally. I mean, COVID's a great example. Yeah. I talk to colleagues all the time uh, this past year, year and a half, that have said, what's Cedarville doing in terms of COVID? And Wes Stevens, our head athletic trainer, has done a great job with that. But I can I can share with them what we're doing. And then I hear from the NFL. I hear from from colleagues who are saying, you know, we're testing everybody twice a day. And, mm-hmm. and so when they know you care about them, when they know you're invested yeah. in them, they're willing, and especially if they had a really good experience with one of our students in the past, they are really willing to take on our kids moving forward. That's great. That's great to hear. As we uh, move toward the middle and end of the podcast, I, I told you it was going to go really quickly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about two other topics okay. uh, in your life. Um, first, I want to talk about your faith in Jesus. I know you grew up in a church, but it wasn't until 2000 or so that you really got serious with Jesus. Can you first share us share with us that story? Sure. So um, I grew up in, in east side of Columbus in Whitehall, Ohio. Um, I have uh, three other siblings, and my sister Karen, she's the oldest. My uh, brother Tim uh, is the middle, and then my oldest brother Steve. Um, we were really close-knit family, grew up in the church. Um, parents took us to church every week. Uh, we're involved in youth groups and, and all sure. those things. Like most kids were, I grew up in a Methodist church. Um Pretty conservative Methodist church, but but still kind of the Methodist, you know, traditions of, of just doing. Um, Thirteen, like every other kid, probably in a Methodist church. I went through confirmation class and yeah. and got sprinkled, got baptized. But um, you know, I, I was a good kid. I, I I think that's typically what you hear from people who either have an immature faith or just kind of playing the game. I went to Capital University, did my undergrad there, yeah. um, and then did my orthopedic fellowship in Chattanooga. Uh, came back to OU and then took my first job at Bryan and 
uh, met my what would become my wife. Uh, she was working admissions at Bryan, and I was the new head athletic trainer. We got married in 99, and um, we're going to a church, and, and I thought I kind of knew all the things, but um, I really was not sold out, and, and I had not given the Lord everything. My, my wife will tell you, she, her dad was a pastor for 45 years before he just recently passed away, but um, it came to a point for her in college where she knew the Lord, but he, he didn't have lordship of her life. And she eventually allowed him to have that. Well, for me, in that first year of marriage, um, I thought, man, I'm an okay husband. I get it. So we go to a Billy Graham crusade in mm-hmm. Nashville. Um, we're in the Titan Stadium, and Billy Graham is talking, and he, he's sharing his heart and sharing the gospel. And all the while, I'm sitting there, and, and I just feel this, this need for Billy Graham. This sounds terrible, but for Billy Graham to be quiet because I need to go forward. Because the Lord was telling me, Mike, you've given me part of everything but not all of anything. And so whether it was financial or marriage or relationships, I was just kind of dipping my toe in. And so as soon as he stopped talking, I went forward. And my wife and, and a friend of ours who was with us, Jeff, they're they like, where are you going? I said, I'm going forward. And I, I rededicated my life then that night. And and that, that changed everything because, again, Mark, what I was doing, I, I don't know that I was playing the game. I, I just was kind of allowing passively the Lord to just kind of be there. And, and I didn't take ownership of that. And I didn't take any, any responsibility in that. And, and, you know, I needed to, because I really think that that was going to be, and, and this sounds terrible, but I think that was the Lord knocking on my, my heart's door for the last time. Cause, cause I had done all the right things, but I hadn't committed. So yeah. then got baptized and immersed and all those things. And, it has just changed the trajectory of my life, not even professionally, but in our marriage, in our home, with our three girls. Um, and for me, it has given me a softer heart um, for people. And and I love in Scripture where Jesus talks about showing compassion. And, and I'm going to deviate from where you maybe want us to go, but compassion is a, is a two-part definition. And if you look up that word, we used this as our word a few years ago in our program Compassion is not just seeing the need, because everybody can see a need. You, you know when someone is desperate, when they're hurting. But Jesus talks about showing compassion to people who didn't have food, who didn't have right. things that we take for granted. So he saw the need, but then he immediately was able to act on that and provide. And, and I think that's what a great athletic trainer does. Not a good athletic trainer, but a great athletic trainer operates with compassion. They see the need, but then they look for a way to impact that that life, whether it's in a football field or on the in the sideline or when someone comes to us with a situation they didn't encounter maybe it's an e- eating disorder maybe they're it's a young lady who's pregnant and they are exploring the opportunity to to have an abortion as believers we have the opportunity to act in that healthcare setting to really impact their lives and so it's to me that that's changed everything i've done so obviously your life was changed mm-hmm. from that moment on um, is there a story that resonates in your mind that really communicates how drastic a change took place in your life? Well, I, I just tipped my hand a little bit. I, I was at, a, at an institution, and I'll leave it there, but I had a young lady who was a, 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 an athlete who came to my office and said, um, I think I'm pregnant, mm-hmm. and 
Um, I sat with her and shared with her, and she was relatively young, but a college-age kid who was over the age of 18, could make her own decision. And I just shared with her the importance and the, the sanctity of human life. Now, yeah. what, what we haven't shared is my wife runs a crisis pregnancy center, and so right. I'm, I'm ultra-sensitive to that anyway. Correct. But that was a unique opportunity in front of that student-athlete, but also an athletic training student, for them to hear me articulate that you have options and the Lord really views this as not a mistake, but a human life and as someone who who could, you know, impact the world, you know, 20 years from now. And 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 the outcome of that story was that that, that young lady kept that little one and ended up just being a great mom. And um, that, that's a huge deal. So I don't know that I would have been able yeah. to articulate that and say those things to her without having Christ. So are you still in contact with that? Person? I'm not, but I, I do know that everything seems to be going well. That's but great. yeah, yeah. Well, you, you you may you may just have answered this question, but maybe there's an, another answer. Um, how are you able to incorporate your faith in the classroom, mm. and maybe even on a field with uh, sure. current students here at Cedarville? Yep. So one of the things that I do, especially in the 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 injury setting, when you think of an injury, I love when parents want to talk about their son or daughters. Um, injury, and I use an ACL as a, as a kind of an easy example. But when a student athlete tears an ACL or, or a patient tears an ACL, and mom and dad want to know, because one of the questions that always comes up, Mark, is what's the likelihood they're going to either re-tear that same side or tear the opposite side? I get to go right to Genesis and say, look, when you were created, you were created identically on both sides. You know, mm-hmm. your mirror image of your left knee and right knee. So. If you've torn that left ACL, there's a pretty high likelihood that that right knee is going to tear as well. doesn't mean it always happens, but mm. that potential is there. So that's one way to share that with an athlete or a patient. But in the classroom, I mean, the healthcare professions, I think, are pretty easy to integrate because we look at how we are uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I can share the the healthcare piece. So I teach our, our general medical course. Um, I'm able to talk to our, our athletic training students in their senior year about how illnesses, how we can predict the outcomes, how we know that cells react and 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 function, and so it, it to me that's an easy yeah. um, opportunity to to look at God's design, God's creation, and, and and interpose that into the classroom setting. Thank thanks for thanks for sharing that uh, heartwarming story and, and insightful, uh, Mike. Um, finally, I want to transition to your role. Of leading Cedarville toward its master of master of athletic training program, how important is it for Cedarville to offer an MAT program to its students? So there are two um, really important answers to your question. The first is it's required because as of 2025, the students will no longer be allowed to pursue a bachelor's degree in athletic training across the nation. That is not a Cedarville thing. That is not a, a that's a college university um, an academic decision that was made by our strategic partner partners. And so by 2025, you'll only be able to enter the field with a master's of athletic training. The second part is it's really important for Cedarville because we have such a, a historic um, tradition in, in in turning out professionals and and athletic trainers for, over 20 years. Dr. Helwig started the program years and years ago. Um, We were able to then get accreditation and then move through uh, a a reaccreditation bid here recently. Um, We've had great students 
our alumni are, are active in the profession. They're leading the way. And so for us to, to not move forward with the MAT doesn't make sense because, again, right. we want Cedarville to be that destination for, for families, for students who want to pursue an athletic training degree from a biblical worldview, we want to be that place, and we think we, we already are, and we think we'll continue that. So when will the MAT officially be available to students? So the MAT opens June 6th of 2022. Now, the application process will open um, mid to end of August, and so the, there's a, a process to apply. If you go to the website, you'll see the MAT, and then you'll see this a uh, mnemonic that says ATCAS, which is our centralized application system yeah. that is going to open up here in just the next few weeks. So you've alluded to it a little bit ago, but what are some of the distinctives that's going to set Cedarville's Master of, of Athletic Training program apart from a program you can get at any other school? Sure. Again, I think the biblical training, the biblical teaching, that perspective from a biblical worldview that you get in every class and every clinical experience but then also, we have held such a high standard over the last 10 to 12 years that our students have, have been um, involved in, in primary care settings, which is what athletic training is going to. So if you think of athletic training, you traditionally think in a high school setting, a college setting. Well, now athletic trainers are serving in physician offices. They're serving in physical therapy clinics. They're serving in hospitals. They're in operating rooms. And so we have in the past been giving our students those opportunities now we're just expanding those. We're adding these immersive clinical experiences of, of four weeks and eight weeks in length. That eight-week immersive clinical during the uh, summer between your first and second year in the program allows you to work with an NFL team. It, it puts you at a, a high school, a college, an industrial setting like UPS or FedEx or someplace sure, like that sure. where you're going to get a unique experience. So is there um, a great working relationship, a collaboration between – the MAT, the athletic training program, and maybe Cedarville's pharmacy program and nursing program? Yeah, so just a few minutes ago, before I came over here, we were on a conference call together. Um, and yes, we have had the opportunity to work with pharmacy and nursing. Uh, in nursing, we have been using their simulation lab the last, uh, what, 10 years, eight years. And we have developed a great network with Angie and her, her faculty and staff. And now with pharmacy, we have grown more and more. And uh, our plan is to actually have a faculty member from pharmacy teaching our pharmacology class in the MAT instead of having me teach it, which I like to think I get it, but it would be so much better if, if one of our pharmacy faculty taught that class, and that's the plan. Yeah, because so. that'll, that'll provide, no, no disrespect, but that'll None provide taken. probably a better education for our students because here you have someone who's mm -hmm. totally trained yes. in pharmacology. Yep. And uh, Cedarville is, a, is uniquely positioned to serve a need in the Christian community, like really maybe no other school is in the country. I see great, uh, great things in store for, for your program as a result. So keep well, moving. I, I appreciate that. We're excited. As, as you already know, we're, we're starting to um, uh, add on to our current facility. Right. And that's going to be ready before June of 2022. So when we get started, we'll have a new lab, a new teaching facility, some new opportunities. And, and so again, the Lord has blessed the university. The Lord has blessed our program. Yeah. We have great support from the administration and, and from from hospitals and physicians around the area. And so it has been a it has been a a great opportunity to see our students grow, to see our program grow and develop, and, and I'm really excited about it. So what advice would you give to a athletic trainer student as they are or a sports medicine student who's interested in getting into this profession? What advice would you give them as they look at 
their options? I think you, you have to start with um, what I tell most high school students when I meet with them, job shadowing, learning what the profession is about, spending time with maybe an athletic trainer at your local high school um, or at a clinic, something like that. You have to see what this profession is about because oftentimes when people hear I'm going to be an athletic trainer, they think of someone who's in the strength and conditioning world and those things. Right. And while we do some of that, it is mostly – orthopedics, general medicine, primary care. And so if that is your passion, if you're excited about that, then this is the profession for you because you're going to have something happen every day that is unique and different. You will not walk into your setting on a Monday and have the same thing happen on a Tuesday. It might be a it might be a significant fracture or dislocation or emergency case, and it might be a blister the next day. You never know. So you're yeah. going to see things that are really really interesting. And you got to be an individual who wants to learn a problem solver, but someone who loves to learn, loves to be challenged. And then you can be a great healthcare provider. Well, thank you for the role you're playing in, in our students' lives. Um, at, at the core of our podcast, we say this podcast is to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. How do you believe or hope that you are bringing God glory through your life, through your work? Mm. You know, Again, in thinking about that, I've been doing this a long time. I'm at the point now where, where I start having um, my own students who have their own kids. Um, I think relationship is a big part of this. We've already shared that. Yep. And the impact that the gospel has. And I think that athletic training has afforded me the platform to love people, to share the gospel, and to impact their lives, not because of who Mike Weller is, but because of who he is. And he's used me as that vessel, that vehicle, because I am relational. I mean, I joke all the time, you don't want me to fix your car. It won't work. You don't (laughs) want me to build a house. It'll fall in on you. But God, for some reason, has gifted me with the ability to think through healthcare problems, but also then to reach people. And so to me, that's one of the, the things that keeps me, you just said, it's easy to come to work. It's easy to come to work because I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to impact a student, to impact a colleague, to work with a, an athlete or a patient, and be able to encourage them. So I think that, that to me, is, is really important, and that's how God has allowed me to use this profession. That's fabulous. Thanks for sharing your story with us, spending a few minutes with us, and I encourage you as you keep moving forward with the MAT and— uh, Bottom line, uh, keep serving Jesus here at Cedarville. And and again, thanks for joining me on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Mark, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.